You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. Hello, 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 everybody. This is another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm your host, David Delaney, with an honored guest, Ms. Maria Pergolino, the Senior Vice President, Global Marketing and Sales Development of Aptus. Maria, how are you doing today? Good. Nice to talk to you today, David. Excited to be on the show. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for making the time. That title is quite a mouthful. And you're, as I mentioned before the show, your uh, reputation as a force in our industry precedes you. If they don't know who Maria Pergolino is, can you give us a background on you and how you became the Senior Vice President Global Marketing and Sales Development at Aptus? Yeah, I've been here at Aptus for almost five years. It's been really exciting. Aptus sells quote-to-cash solutions. So uh, things that sales development really understands, right? When we create a deal, we go to a quote and then create a contract. And so I'm sure everybody on the call understands what quote to cash is. What brought me here was kind of that big market and big opportunity. It's every direct sales team needs what Aptus sells. So I love being with this group. It's been a really fun, you know, just last five years. Prior to that, I was at a company that you everybody's probably heard of. It was Marketo, and there I managed all of the demand gen and content, as well as some of the operations of you know, Marketo itself. And so met a lot of great marketers and sales development people there. And I think that's probably where a little bit of that reputation comes from. It was a really fun time marketing to marketers and getting to know so many of the Marketo customers. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, if anyone, if you haven't taken a tour through YouTube and watched some of the presentations that Marie has done, do yourself a favor after after this podcast, go and, and watch some of those. Maria, one of one of the the recent talks that you made, you mentioned that Aptus has grown tremendously over the last five years. And when you joined, there was about 70 employees and now you're, you know, getting up to twelve hundred, thirteen hundred employees. Can you tell us about a little bit about that growth process and and what sparked such tremendous growth at the company? Yeah, I like to attribute it all to marketing and, <laughs> and the great marketing we've done here. But if we have to look past that, yeah. So when I joined, uh, it was probably around seventy employees. It's now I think the official number we use is eleven hundred. I don't know exact, but the the growth has been tremendous. And the way that I've chosen the company as I've worked for, when you go to school as a marketer. Uh, you spend so much time looking at market size and total addressable market. And then we all go out and pick jobs based on who are who, what boss we like or who we like on the team. Instead, I choose where I work based on where I think there's a big market. And what that allows is me to go do some great marketing to acquire lots of new customers. And so I do attribute marketing to some of the success because there was a big market for us to market to. Similar at Marketo. I'd worked for all enterprise organizations and then ended up with a startup that got acquired by HP, then chose Marketo again, based on not that, uh, and I did, I ended up loving the management team there, 
but not because of who my boss was going to be or who the employees were, but where there was going to be a lot of growth. And I think that's really important as we talk to sales development reps as they choose the opportunities they go to. I always use this really bad example, but I always say like, there's some sales development person or marketer having to sell DVD players right now. And like, that's not the job that you would want to have, right? Because the the growth of that market is, is non-existent. But I see all the time people take jobs in really crowded markets, in places where there aren't a lot of growth, in startups that's very risky. And so I think that being able to choose to be a part of a winning team, right? If you have a, a choice to be with the, the team that just won some type of playoff or championship or the one that's it that's not doing well, which would you pick? You want to be with the winners because you think that you can then grow. And I, and I think that that is what attracted me to Aptis. And I think for the sales development reps that are choosing what opportunity they want, you know, there's lots of opportunities out there, but really choose where there's going to be a big market because I think it is so important. What was awesome at Marketo is that it wasn't just Marketo that was successful. There were lots of different companies at that time. There was Eloqua and Pardot and a number of others, Market to Lead, all of which had really great success and are still successful today. I think you see similar in quote to cash, and I'd encourage people as they choose their opportunities to choose where there's going to be lots of winners because it's going to make that that they're going to hit their quotas and, and get big paychecks. And it's just fun winning. It's much more fun to win. And and for the, you know, the newer SDR who's maybe right now they're talking to recruiters and they're they're on the job hunt, how do they go about finding those big opportunities if they don't have a large network or they're just starting to do some Google searches and things like that? I think one of the things that's hard is, especially in really small organizations of Series A that are just starting Uh, the founders are going to paint a picture of what the future is going to be like and how much business there's going to be. But the real question is, you have a quota today, right? You're looking for pipeline today. How much pipeline is out there? And you can look at things like analyst reports. If it's a big enough industry, analysts are specifically commenting on how big the market is. So for example, the CRM market, it's well documented how big the market is, how much opportunity, how much switching there's going to be. And so if it's a big enough space, there'll be that information. If it's emerging, you have to think about that. You have to think about, do you really think that people are going to start buying this product? And some of it takes some common sense. The, one of the things that I always do is if like, can I explain it to my mom? And um, <laughs> and if my mom can understand it and it makes a lot of sense, then it's going to be easy for me to understand it. If it's really hard to explain to my mom, that's that makes me question, am I going to be able to properly market it? And I think, is the sales development team going to be able to talk about it to somebody who's just giving them 20 seconds of time quickly on a call. I think finally, just is it clear who they would be calling? So if you can't figure out who you would pick up the phone and dial for that opportunity, then it might be a little bit risky. If there's not, if you're selling, so for example, sometimes we're selling to sales here and sometimes we're selling to legal, sometimes we're selling to finance, but we have messaging for each of those personas. If on an interview, they can't say, this is who you call, and this is the type of message you deliver, it's going to be really hard. And your money is based on that, right? And so you have to decide if that's something you can overcome. And I think sometimes people don't spend enough time thinking about that. Yeah, I I think, um, you know, you've got bills to pay. And, and, you know, it's very expensive, especially live in the Bay Area. And you're going, okay, I don't really understand what this company does. They seem nice. And they're offering me a job. So what the heck? But I think that that, you know, we're on the same page. And that's that's a recipe for just getting into a bad situation. 
The other thing that happens uh, with smaller companies is often they're on the the cusp. They're there early. And so it may be a year or two. The company may actually be successful, but it may take some time to get there. And so even if it's going to be long-term success, that doesn't mean the short term. I've, I've seen a lot of times where that's happened. And so often, again, just focus on, is there a buyer today? Right, right. And then what about, you know, leadership it, within the company? If it, it, Again, that would be a tough thing for them to vet out if someone's going to be a good boss or someone's going to be able to lead the company. Any Any tips or suggestions on how they can learn a little bit more about who these people are and how they treat people and things like that? Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, if uh, for those that know me would hear this answer and I think, oh, that's very Maria. If you don't know me, it, it takes a certain personality to, I think, feel this way. But I don't believe like I have I really respect Phil, who was at Marketo, but he is notorious for really driving to success and, and being very, very hard. Uh, Kirk here at Aptus is very similar. It is, you know, it is an expectation of results. And so the culture, I don't believe, I think we put too much into counting on our bosses and other people in the organization to create our experience. Essentially, my like sales development group, they sit in an area together, they create the culture for themselves. And I should be somebody that's helping support that culture that they want to create. Does that make sense? Mm. And so a little bit, I focus more on the market. And then in that opportunity, as long as there's, you know, some winning and success, I work to enable the team to create the culture that they're looking for. And I'm really proud of the one that's that's being created here. I would encourage everybody to stop when it comes to the experience of the company to stop like waiting for people to do things and bring ideas. I've watched some amazing sales development talent kick off our philanthropic efforts here at Aptis, get involved in diversity efforts here at Aptis. And so if that's not right in a company, sometimes that offers opportunity. And I'm not one to shy away from that. I, I would encourage people to be a part of making those changes inside companies. Yeah, I and and if you guys haven't gone back and listened to the podcast with Catherine, who leads up uh, the sales development group, um, it's a great discussion. And you know, I think to your point, instead of waiting for someone to create something, go ahead and take personal responsibility for yourself and your career and really the vibe you know that you're creating on the team versus the sort of victim mentality, right? I totally agree with that. And when people come in and are positive and are trying to make a positive change, you watch the organization. I, everybody on this call, I bet, can think of the people in their company that, that that describes. You can be that person, right? Like, just I think it does take some planning and some initiative. But I watch people here at Aptus, very successful just, you know, finding a way to stand out using uh, culture as that differentiator. Right. Okay. So d do your research, make sure that you understand the market, make sure that it's on the upswing and it's growing and you get it, you can explain it to your mom and, and then go in and create your own culture, create your own destiny and lead instead of just waiting around. I love that. From a higher level, say, you know, there, there's all these debates 
amongst the sales development community on how teams should be structured and how they should interact within the organization. There's a lot of confusion out there, quite frankly, of where the team should sit and what they should be doing and who should they report to. And I know we can't answer all those questions right now, but can you tell us a little bit about how you structure sales development as part of the greater marketing org and how you interact? Yeah, a couple of thoughts just even before I get into where the team should sit. One of the things that I have definitely realized as I have worked with sales, worked with sales development and worked with marketing teams is that sales development is not a subset of sales. It is not a subset of marketing. It is equal and should have an equal voice. And so when you think about an organization or that funnel that you're, where you're trying to drive opportunities, each piece is critical and needs to be treated that way. And so when a sales rep is maybe saying, hey, we want to do it this way, or marketing is saying we want to do something this way, I really try to give each one of those teams an equal voice because I think each piece is very critical. I think in way too many organizations is sales development, often because it's uh, people starting their careers in those groups, it's seen as a subset or not given that equal voice. And I think that it is a critical part of our process. And I think as many on the call would agree, critical as part of theirs. Can I just say an amen right there? Just to interrupt. So sorry to interrupt. Amen. And again, it's a shameless plug. Seven minutes uh, keynote of the sales development conference. I nail that as hard as I can because I, I'm in wild agreement with you, Maria. And um Thank you for <laughs> coming out and saying that. I appreciate it. Go on. So with that, I think it creates, though, uh, responsibility, right? With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I expect the sales development team to be able to say, hey, these are the accounts that we're targeting. This is my approach. This is how I'm running my business. And so I think that regardless of where uh, sales development is sitting, it needs to have that strong voice and needs that. The players on that team need to take that responsibility, not just look at a queue of, of people to call, call down and call it a day. And so uh, I do encourage everybody in sales development to really think about how they're running their business. And especially if they want to go into sales, get really good at running that business, because at some point, you know, that that is going to be their job as they're an individual contributor on a sales organization. I, then when we talk about reporting, so really interesting, if you had asked me this question two years ago, I would have said, or three years ago, I would have said sales development, ultimately sales development, the people on that team often want to go into sales. And so aligning to them to that sales team gives them a lot of opportunity that way. I would now tell you that I was very, very wrong in that statement. I think what you're looking for is that close alignment with sales. But what I found is that when the sales development team is aligned to sales, very often does the sales reps use the sales development people as their assistants, as people that are going and, and doing like tasks for them and not respecting the specific discipline of sales development and letting them run as that peer to the sales team. I think what marketing is good at and can bring is there's not a conflict there. Marketing is not typically it's uh, it's not designating kind of that that tasks or, hey, can you follow up with this contract or can you go do this little thing that I see those, the sales team sometimes do. 
what I see marketing often bring to the table is a process that then they can help create that continuity so that that lead flow follows and, and that everything gets to the team. So I have now found that I think it's important to have close alignment with the sales team, but that it is doing really well reporting into marketing. I think it can work well either way, but I have seen great efficiencies come from that marketing alignment. And I think if it is going to be aligned with marketing, the marketing team just has to be very aware that the sales development team ultimately wants to be in sales. And so one of the things I do is I negotiate, you know, we're coming up to a new year. We're talking about what headcount is going to be in sales. I'm sitting with the sales team and I'm having them make commitments to me of how many of those roles will be filled by sales development reps and how are uh, how are we what do they need to make sure that the sales development team is trained so that they can move into that role. If we weren't doing that part, then I might have a different answer. Okay. And what do you say to sales leaders or or you know people on the sales team who say well, I, I think that sales development should report to sales because they're they're going to become salespeople. That's a bench strength for sales. They need to understand how we operate and things like that. Do you ever get any of those comments? And you know, what do you say to them? I think here at Aptus, there has been a the pipeline, both in quality and quantity, has been so successful as it's aligned up to marketing. We haven't gotten a ton of that pushback. What we often get is a request for sales development reps to be within a specific region or right, you know, they want to have them right in the same office as that sales rep. I think that is often that recipe for disaster where what that sales rep is looking for is that like kind of, they think of it as a person under their wing, but they end up doing a lot of administrative and they don't actually get the growth and opportunities that they would if they were part of a structured team that is overall measuring their success by creating those that that those sales opportunities for those team members. And so I do think it is a a tricky balance. I think that the uh, ultimately I'd like to see more and more like uh Cat on our team is a strong leader and represents that growth group well. My job is to enable her and I hope that she would be successful reporting in anywhere. I think that's very much the case. I think you're seeing a real, you know, it's not just, hey, I'm doing sales development to report to change into sales. You're seeing amazing people that want to be in sales development as their career. And I think you're going to see more and more sales development stand independently rolling up into kind of a revenue organization. I think so too. I, I And, you know, results speak for themselves. And you did a, you did your due diligence on the company. Uh, you put together an amazing program and now you're producing the results. So that does tend to tamper down complaints coming in about how you structure things, right? Yeah, I think I, I totally agree. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So tell me more about how you're building the sales development organization structurally? Are they divided into inbound and outbound? Are they hybrid? And and how, how do they cover and make sure that you hit your pipeline number? I know on the marketing side, account-based marketing is like the big buzz uh, phrase and that we talk about things like target accounts, but essentially our reps have named accounts and those named accounts are then aligned to sales development reps. For those leads that come in that we think may be important that aren't from those named accounts, we have an inbound team that follows up with those leads. 
because, hey, some, we may have missed somebody on that list. We may not be aware of an industry that could benefit from our solutions. And so we have a small group that follows up with that inbound. And then the majority of the group is aligned to those named accounts. And some of those are for our commercial accounts, some of those for our enterprise accounts, and some of those for our current customers. And so, you know, a lot of focused calling tied to those accounts that we know that we should be selling to. Gotcha. Okay. So let, let's talk about outbound. I think outbound is something that a lot of companies really struggle with. It's it's really hard to figure out. And they're trying to take it from an account-based angle and, and, you know, put that in place. You know, how how do you have it structured from an outbound perspective? Is it by vertical? You mentioned, you know, the size of the company and current current companies and things like that. How do you prioritize? How do you have it structured? How do you have the team attack outbound? So the team, uh, each of the team members are aligned to reps that have named accounts and those accounts, they then work a plan with that sales uh, person on how they are going to uh, focus their efforts. What marketing tries to do is give them some hooks. So when you think about when you're trying to reach out to somebody Obviously, we want to focus our time on people that we think would be good buyers. But what you're trying to do is create relevancy and context. And for us, that can be a number of things. It could be what CRM they're using. It can be what their current role is, right? We could share, hey, this is what other people like you do. It can be industry. It can be regional. Hey, this is what other people in your role within you know, the, in the UK or something like that do. So we have lots of different ways that we can essentially target our uh, ideal buyers. And so our sales team is not aligned to any one of those specifically outside of region. What marketing then tries to do is make sure that the sales development team has that information so they can say, hey, here's an industry campaign I'm going to use with this person, or here is a something based on role or title that we're going to use. The other thing that marketing tries to provide the sales development team is a number of events that they can then help drive people to as a hook. There are so many companies in my inbox right now that I know at some point I want to pay attention to, but I just don't have enough time. I think what events do really nice is you can't like move. If somebody's having a dinner on Thursday, you either have to choose if you're going to attend or miss that dinner. And so I really like events as a way to create urgency within one of those outbound uh, accounts. Okay. And and do you organize general events where people from a lot of different accounts can come? Or is it just one event for one account where you try to get multiple personas to attend? We've done a a mix of those. I think generally what we will do is some type of field activity. And so I do think it's very important for field marketing to be aligned with sales development and make sure they hear what pains the sales development team are happening, where there's priority, where we're struggling breaking in, because often an event can be something that gives that that hook, right? Listen, I get you're not ready to buy now. We'd love to talk to you. I, I really think you'd get along with our head of sales. He's going to be in the region. Why don't you join us at this event? And things like that get people talking. It creates a reason for it to happen now, which is just often so important. Yeah, I love that concept of hooks and creating hooks that we can use and relevancy and context and doing a lot of that research so that you can enable the SDRs to have conversations with people instead of, you know, trying to figure all that stuff out without the really any 
direct support. You know, I, I've worked with a client to try to set up their account-based outbound and using Salesforce and one of the Cadence products, I, I won't tell you which one because they're uh, friends of mine. It was really hard to organize everything to go from an account level. Are there any good tools out there that you've used that have helped you to do an account-based approach or do you use the standard tools? Yeah, so we just to give an, an idea of our tech stack, we use both Salesforce and Microsoft as our CRM solutions, and then we lay Marketo on top of that. We're obviously pretty good users of Marketo here um, <laughs> because of my time there, uh, but really use that as the hub on the marketing side. Um, everything then passes into the CRM. We are using EverString to help with that account scoring, and that's how we help narrow our accounts. We do some pretty interesting account scoring because we use the predictive information from uh, EverString and we combined it with the behavior information by account from Engageo. And then we use Engageo to run a lot of those plays. We also use inside sales as our auto dialer and for some email functionality. And so we do leverage technology in a pretty big way. We are trying every day to use it better. I am a pretty big fan of Engageo. Okay. Yeah. T- tell me more about how that works. Because, for example, when I was working with this company, we were looking at the accounts and it was a very small sales team. So we only picked 200 accounts and we had to start kind of from the top to say, we know the accounts that are in our wheelhouse. Now, what leads do we have already in Salesforce or what contacts are associated with those? And and then, you know, how do we sort of prioritize, divide and conquer to start going out and talking to these people? And just, you know, trying to paste, piece it all together was, you know, especially for not a real technical person, it was, it was really hard to figure it out and, and then be able to monitor it in a dashboard. Does Engageo help you with organizing the, all that and getting it into one, you know, dashboard that you can then go after? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to note, and it's something that I have to work with the team on all the time, is we go to the things that are checkboxes, right? So just today, I know before the call, so that I could take this call, I said I had to move a bag of popcorn. And essentially, today I received in the mail a box that had a bag of popcorn in it. It had a lovely note that I I can't say I read from a company (laughs) saying something about their product. And I know that it was part of one of my favorite things about account-based marketing is all the free stuff I've gotten in the mail. I think the problem with that is, is I wasn't familiar with the brand. I got this thing. I took the bag of popcorn. I threw it out for the rest of the team to have. The bag wasn't branded. So nobody from the team that eats that is going to know who it's from. And I threw the rest in the trash just because I like to have a neat office. And so the hard thing about that is that company may know that I need their product And they may think that, hey, why is our account-based marketing not working? It was the wrong tactic. It wasn't the the tool that was wrong. There were issues kind of overall with the branding. The letter they wrote was lovely, but it was so long. I couldn't understand what the value prop was quickly. And so what I think happens is that that company looks and goes, hey, the Engageo doesn't work or the, the targeting doesn't work. I think we just have to be a little bit smarter about what we're really trying to deliver. We should really think about those accounts we're trying to drive for 
and make sure that what we're um, delivering is actually a relevant program that's going to drive success. I see all the time a mismatch with, you know, somebody would be like, oh, you know what the coolest thing would be? Let's send everybody, you know, whatever, echoes. But if it's a group that's that's already pretty technically savvy, they probably already have them. Maybe they're not excited about that. And so I think we have to match our tactics a little better. We have to be a little bit more personal. And I know that we think a handwritten note is personal, but I think there's other ways to be personal. I think we have to invest more time. And so while Engage is awesome, if the sales development rep is not sitting there going, what's really useful for this person? For example, today, later today, I'm speaking in an event. If uh, Actually, I can give a great example. There's a brand called Crayon. They sell competitive software. They um, had talked to some of my team. They felt like they were a perfect fit. They emailed me, sent me packages. I did not see any of them. I went to an event. I was speaking in an event in Boston, and the head of sales showed up and said, hey, can I get five minutes? I've talked to this person, this person, your team. It was uh, less than a week later that we purchased that product. And so to me, that's account-based marketing. It is really thinking account by account, what is going to sell. And it very well may have been that sales development rep or that account rep. It wasn't the sales leader that knew that I was going to be at the, the event. Somebody told him that. I think we have to get that specific and we have to really know who we want to sell to, who's going to benefit from our product and start making some of those connections. We have a member on our team, Hope, who uh, has had numerous examples of where she's really learned a lot about the individual and then put out campaigns that really resonated with them so that they would take time to listen to our message. And I think when sales development can make those personal connections, it's gonna make that software successful. It's gonna make those programs successful, not the other way around. I'm often very hesitant to discount the people and and put the credit on the the technology. I think it all comes down to the individuals. I like that. And, and do you think are we trying to do too much? Are we trying to? I mean, I like spam, but just just are we obsessed with quantity over quality? Is that is that? Do you think that that's why people aren't putting? I mean, we have all these tools that enable an SDR to send hundreds of emails every day just from a template. But it's almost like we've gotten away with act- from actually thinking about who we're talking to and what would appeal to them. So <laughs> I'm sitting here. Um, we have our my head of PR here, and he's going to shake his head and be mad when I use this example, because uh, if you know me, I have a little bit of an off-color humor. And so I'm going to skate the line a bit, a little bit. So I think every one of us has gotten a email for some type of penis enhancement in their inbox. <laughs> and ultimately, and I think that that's fair. I don't think I'm saying anything wrong. I think, and I'm a girl, right? Like, uh, I'm definitely not the target audience there. But the we've all gotten that email. And you think, why do they send that if it's just going to spam and it's not if if it's not working, but somebody clicks on that email and they're play they're winning in the numbers, right? Because they they spam, you know, multi million people. It's low cost to do that email, and so if five people click and buy their item, that has been a success. And so I think there can be success in in uh, in quantity, but you're going to have limited success. And so what I bringing it down to maybe a more relevant example when we were at Marketo. We had uh, our emails going out from like 
Marketo events, Marketo webinars, and then the sales development reps would send out emails from themselves and they got a much higher return rate. And what the the idea was, okay, well, let's put all our emails out from the sales development or open rate, sorry. Let's put all of the emails out from the sales development reps and we'll have a, a better open rate for everything. But what happened is people learned, hey, uh, Joe Smith always sends me spam and they stopped opening the sales development emails. And so I think if you're trying to put a strategy together, you want to have those quantity metrics. You want to have your marketing teams do the big blasts and they can cover that but then the individual sales development rep really needs to be valuing that the fact that their email needs to get opened and they need to be sending they need to not be the email that as soon as somebody sees it comes in they delete it because they've gotten used to that name that they know sends junk and instead really try to provide value so that that's the email that they open okay this is a good segue because i wanted to ask you where do you see the sales development role you know, going over the next five years or, uh, you know, three to five years, you know, some people want to get rid of sales development. Some people want to add more emphasis to it. Where does Maria think it's going? Again, I think it is a, an important part when I, you know, marketing's job is, is ultimately to sell. If you actually look up the the definition of marketing, it's selling uh, as well as then that branding piece it's the promotions tied to selling. I think marketing is always going to exist when we need to sell something. I think with that, uh, sales development and sales are also going to exist. The skills, the reason sales development has broken off from sales is a lot of the skills in sales development are different than the skills in sales, and they're very important ones. And so that's why I think you see people making their careers in sales development. And I think you're going to continue to see that happen. So I can't imagine creating the success at a brand like Aptis without sales development. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. It is a, again, we we just talked about how we have to create relevancy and it is a group dedicated to creating that relevancy with our target buyers. And so I see, I think it's one of the, if you look at sales development as one of the marketing tactics, like if I had a choice to put another BDR or add another event uh, or SDR, and those are the, the decisions a company has to make, very often the reason you're seeing these teams grow is the efficiency that comes out of sales development. We're not, companies aren't adding them because it's just fun to add you know, five more people into that team, it's because that's where the efficiency in our company is coming from. And so I think as long as that efficiency exists, you're going to see that group grow. It's just good business. And how, you know, on the activity basis, if if their job is to create context and relevancy and bring a human side to the to the communication, you know, in the old days, they would just, the manager would just say, here, just make a hundred phone calls, like just call a hundred people today and whatever. How do you guys measure if they're being successful in creating those, those relevant conversations? Do you, do you just take it by pipeline that the, that they create or are there, do you take it back further than that? Like how many people they call or how many people they email stuff like that? Uh, not everybody on the, the the team here loves the comp plan that I've put together because I think okay. it is, uh, I think, you know, we we do have a high bar. We drive for excellence. The way that we work it, and I'm happy to share more details, but essentially 
their activity metrics worked into the foundation of the plan. So essentially, in order to qualify for your variable comp, right now as the plan sits there, you have to do things like use your LinkedIn in mails. We're paying a lot of money for that. We want to make sure you're leveraging things like that. There's some call volumes and things like that that we would like you to hit just as a, hey, the same way that there's a certain number of events that my company would like to see marketing host, even though marketing ultimately isn't measured on the the number of events we have, right? It's on that overall success. Mm-hmm. The actual comp, though, is based on the opportunities, the pipeline that's created, and there's uh, different portions of comp that's based on where in that cycle that that opportunity lands. And so what I love about that is it keeps the sales development team aligned with the sales team. The sales development team isn't winning because they got to a number of meetings if the rep isn't getting opportunities. And so I really like pipeline as being that thing that the variable comp pieces is um, based on. Gotcha. Okay. So there is that activity element, but it's it's also weighted toward the pipeline. And did they ever come back to you and say, hey, I don't have a lot of control over how much pipeline they put in or or what level the sales reps take it because I, after I hand it off to them, they take it and run with it. And some of them are really good at sales and some are, eh, you know, do you ever get any sort of feedback like that? Yeah, so I have to, I mean, I can't compliment enough Ankur Alawalia, our VP of sales operations here. He has created... And, and actually, our head of sales, Jeff Griggs, is just world class, and they have created a process together that clearly defines each of the different sales stages. I cannot ask for better partners on the marketing side because that creates great clarity both for marketing and sales development. What we do is some of those stages have responsibility for the sales development rep. So obviously, in earlier stages, there's a lot more work that the sales development rep can do. And so we comp hire there in stages where they don't have a lot of input because it's when they're negotiated, the reps negotiate or things like that. We don't comp in those areas. So I don't want to get into too many details about our sales process. But ultimately, the we the sales development team has pipeline goals where they can make impact. And so and I could not create a plan like that if I did not work with the great sales leadership that I do. So another maybe tip for the ties from the beginning is make sure that there's really good partners on the sales side that you're working with. Yeah. And, and this is, and, you know, really appreciate all, I mean, the, the information that you're sharing is super valuable because those are the main questions that people have is, you know, how do I set this up? How do I, how do I encourage the right behavior? And, and I'm a big proponent of pipeline. I sort of my mentor in working with marketing was a guy named Cortland Smith, who I think you might know, or he knows of you. I do know Cortland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing gentleman. And I learned so much from him and he definitely got me thinking in, in the way of, are we creating pipeline? Pipeline is what's going to align us with sales. And you're definitely reinforcing that for me. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, uh, Cortland's great. And I think probably has a lot of the same, Approach to marketing is and sales development as we take here. It's uh, it's cool to hear that we have that common connection. Yeah, he was an amazing guy. And and I've got one last question for you for the folks who would like to 
go into uh, different parts of the organization after they've been a BDR or an SDR. They don't necessarily want to get into sales. Some people that I talk to would like to get into marketing and become a, a you know a, a protege to Maria Pergolino. What should someone be thinking about if they want to explore the marketing side of the career path in sales development? Yeah, I I think sales. There's so many marketers. They come out of school and it is really, really hard to get a a job in marketing. I think the cool thing or awesome thing about sales development is that there's a lot of entry level opportunities. And so I would encourage people who are considering marketing to consider starting in sales development. We have marketers on our team that started in sales development and they are incredible uh, shout out to Alan and Allie and, and some of those, Gianna, some of the team members that are on the marketing team that started in the sales development side. They have marketing is is awesome here because of the work that they do. And so if you're if you're considering sales development because you want to go into marketing, it's an awesome way to get in there. They those marketers know the sales process, the salespeople, and it just makes the marketing better. I think that to me, selling is so marketing and sales has the exact same goal, right? We're just trying to drive revenue for the company. The salesperson does it as an individual and the marketer does it as a team member. And I think that is the big difference between the two. I think that in we look at things like sales compensation and we get all excited about the big dollars that can come with sales comp. But some of those dollars can come as you grow in the marketing ranks as well, especially in areas like demand gen that are highly sought after right now. And so I think that appeal because of the big bucks in sales, you know, I think there is some reality to it, especially if you can get at that sales get young. But ultimately, I think both have good, you know, opportunity for salary growth. And so if you feel like you play better on the team than then as that individual contributor, if you think you have leadership skills that you may not be able to leverage the same way in sales or as that individual contributor, I would strongly encourage people to consider marketing. If you're in sales development right now and want to consider a marketing job, I would love to hear from you. The, um, <laughs> and actually, if you're in sales development, considering sales development, we would love to hear from you. I think just opening the dialogue, being clear. Uh, the way that the people ended up in the marketing team is them saying, hey, I'm considering lots of different roles. Uh, we have lots of our sales development reps that are in CSM roles now. I think you just have to have a good line, open a line of communication and talk to leadership about what you're looking to do. Yeah, exactly. Make your numbers, you know, do a great job, uh, rise to the top, and then be vocal about what you want to do and prepare yourself for that future. And I agree. I think, you know, the the best marketers are also great salespeople and the best salespeople are also amazing marketers. And it's, 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 uh, you know, you really have to understand as you mentioned, the end goal, which is we're driving revenue for the company. Maria, this has been amazing. I really appreciate all the information and, you know, we'll bleep out some of the, the, the bad parts, but I thank you for sharing with our audience and, and being on the sales development podcast today. Yeah, no problem. It was, uh, it was great. I, uh, if I knew we were bleeping a lot, I would have gone way worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you definitely kept it uh, reined in and, We appreciate it. So thank you. I hope you feel better and enjoy the rest of your your day and your your talk that you're making later today. Thank you. It's a pleasure being on the, the podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.